Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for October the 4th, 2023. I am delighted to have this time with you, and I welcome you, no matter if you're brand new or someone who's been here quite a few times. I actually am recording this right after a phone call I had with a with a very good friend, and he mentioned that he thought that he and his wife were part of the 500 Club, that there's very few that they've mentioned, and I can't tell you how encouraging that is to me and uh, how much the Lord use you. I won't, I won't say your name, but the Lord use you to be an encouragement to me as he always does. But it doesn't matter if you've been here all along or maybe you're brand new. I'm just happy to have this time with you. I'm, I'm grateful for the technology that exists. I'm grateful for how the Lord works things out, that he can use something like COVID to bring about these times that uh, I can tell you it's been a profound blessing to me to have these times with you. And I hope that they have been a blessing to you as well. And again, I welcome you. Where we find ourselves is making our way through the book of Acts. We are in chapter 13, and we've just dealt with Saul and Barnabas, and Saul being referred to as Paul for the first time, and then thereafter he's going to be referred to as Paul. But they come across this sorcerer named Elymas, the sorcerer named Bar-Jesus, the child of the Savior. And of course, Paul rebukes him when, when, when he tries to dissuade the proconsul from listening to the word of the Lord. Paul rebukes him and, and says, you're a child of the devil. You're not a child of Jesus. You're, you're not a child of the Savior. You're a child of the devil. And then Bar-Jesus, Elymas, same, same man, different name, was struck blind, yet the proconsul believed. And what just goes to show y'all that uh, Satan is always ready to dissuade, to discourage, to provide a naysayer, someone who would come in and stir up discord, who would plant seeds of discord in order to dissuade the spreading of God's word. However, the gospel cannot be stopped. We saw that yesterday. And we see that today as we continue along and read about the Acts of the Apostles, as we see what happened in the early church. But before we read, I, I, I want to pray, and then I want to talk about something. But let, let's pray first, and we're picking up in Acts chapter 13. Our God and our Father, as we come to your word today, let's, let's understand. Let's the beauty of your grand redemptive plan and the privilege that you've given us to be a part of it. Oh, Father, give us grateful hearts. Let us see the meaning of your word and let us be guided by your Holy Spirit. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. So just now in my prayer, realize I wasn't talking to you, I was talking to God, but nevertheless, I thanked God for the, the fact that he allows us to be part of his grand redemptive plan. Something that I talk about pretty regularly in sermons as far as one of the benefits of being one of God's covenant children. You know, there's so many things that God blesses us with. Certainly, salvation in Jesus Christ, the fact that we do not have to fear death or hell, but instead we've been redeemed and we'll be with the Lord forever. But y'all, there are so many other benefits that we have right here and right now. Say it all the time. Christianity isn't about what happens someday. It's about what happens today. And amongst all the benefits that we have of being God's children, one of them, and it's a great one, but one of them is that God allows us to be part of his grand redemptive plan. This plan 
that God begins working all the way back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sin, and there's a thread that runs all the way through to today, right now, as God fulfills his promise to build his church, as, as we see signs being fulfilled, prophecies being fulfilled, as, as we make our way toward that point in human history, where history ends and the new history begins, right? New life begins. When Jesus comes back, when there is a time of judgment and all those that know the Lord will be called up to that place prepared for us. Those that don't know the Lord will be separated, sorted as the goats they are. Um, and, and will be with, not with God, but, but, but will be with the punishment of their own sins. But we're in this portion now where everything is building to that moment that Jesus returns. But building is a good word. Because the Lord is working, and he's working in all sorts of ways. Sometimes we can miss that, and for good reason. You know, we get wrapped up in life, don't we? We put our heads down, we blink, and well, all of a sudden it's October the 4th, and what happened in June and July and August and September, and I just life. You know, we just bowl forward and, 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 and we can get our, stuck in a rut and a pattern and we, and we miss things. And, and sometimes we can forget how God is working. In the United States too, it's easy to forget as, as there's so many churches that are struggling as we watch the degradation of Western civilization, right? Where it's almost like, you know, I joke around about this all the time. People ask me why I don't take the newspaper. And my response is, well, I can get upset for free. I don't have to subscribe to it, right? I don't have to pay for somebody to deliver bad news to my door. I can find bad news anywhere. And so sometimes we can get distracted by that. And we miss the fact that God is working. But the fact is, yet again, from the very beginning, our God, in all of his magnificence, in all of his love and mercy, he has been redeeming a people for himself. Now, the reason I begin with that today is because what we're going to see for the first time really from Paul, not from Peter, realize thus far in Acts, the great sermons have come from Peter, right? And we've seen a few of them, loads and loads of people turn to the Lord. But instead today, it's Paul that we hear from. And what does he do? Well. He gives us a glimpse at God's grand redemptive plan, this plan that he allows his people to be a part of, this plan that shows forth the beauty of Jesus Christ and the fact that God is always working. So that's what we're going to read today, and I'll interject some thoughts here and there. But right now at the start, take the time to listen, to really think about what God has done what he is doing, and what he will yet do. Think about that because he loves us so much, he lets us be a part of it. Now, where we pick up today is in Acts chapter 13, verse 13. Remember, Saul and Barnabas and John are on this missionary journey. They've been sent out, sent out by the church, called by the Holy Spirit. But we find in Acts 13, 13, that from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Now, 
Before we get into what Paul said, realize the dynamic that is going on here is very much the dynamic of what the Jewish synagogue looked like 2,000 years ago. On the Sabbath day, men would gather. They would read from the prophets and from the law. That's just another term to describe the Old Testament, right? They would have selected readings from the prophets, selective readings from the law, and then others would stand up to preach and teach. Now, what we have going on here is that Paul and Barnabas are there. They're in the synagogue. It's the Sabbath day. The Jewish rulers, the ones that were in charge of the synagogue, send them this message saying, basically, hey, if you've got something to share, now's the time. And so, again, it's not Peter. Peter's the one we've heard from thus far. Instead, it's Paul. We find this. Verse 16. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. Side note, right? Remember the God-fearers like Cornelius and others, okay? Gentiles that had converted to Judaism because they believed in the God of Israel. That's who Paul is addressing, right? Jews and Gentiles who believe in God. And he says, listen to me. And then, he begins the most beautiful story ever told. A story that you and I are a part of if you're trusting in Jesus alone for your salvation. And if you're not trusting in Jesus alone for your salvation and you know it, then this story can be your story too. This story story of, of beautiful provision, God's love and his mercy. Verse 17 The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All of this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now, y'all, what he has done here, pausing for just a second, is he's quoting from all of these different passages from the Old Testament, right? Just in in verse 22 alone, 1 Samuel 15, 1 Samuel 16, Psalm 89, 1 Samuel 13, Jeremiah 3, Isaiah 44, all of these are linked to what he is saying here. And he has built the foundation where the foundation begins is as Paul said, God chose our fathers. God chose them for himself. And look at what he did. He took our fathers and he prospered them into this marvelous nation, a nation that was so marvelous that Herod enslaved them. And yet, even in their enslavement, the Lord heard them. 
And he came back and he got him. And then it wasn't only one nation. It was seven different nations that the Lord toppled. And all over a period of 450 years. And then he gave them judges to rule over them. And then they asked for a king. And you'll notice that Saul, or excuse me, that Paul doesn't get into anything about Saul here. He doesn't get into Saul's failures. He doesn't even get into the fact that the people demanded a king. That they rejected Samuel, God's prophet. And then instead they demanded a king. The reason is because he's he's building to this, right? Pretty soon he's going to say, look, guys, I, I hope that, that you realize what the prophets are saying, what they said is true. And I hope that you don't treat the prophets now. Uh, treat us as you treated the prophets then. In other words, listen, listen to what has been revealed. But he doesn't do it here. No, Paul doesn't go up. He doesn't go after the Jews from of old. Instead, he simply mentions the history that God gave them the king that they demanded, but then he brought another. He brought David, the man after his own heart. And y'all, David is the one that the Jews really look to. Yes, they recognize Saul and what the Lord did through him, but it's David that they look back upon because it's David that cemented the kingdom of God. It was David who stood up for God and for his armies. You know, they knew the story of David and Goliath too. And he brings up David and then he says, verse 23, from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. What he's done, you know, pausing for just a second, he's taken the greatest figure outside of Moses in Jewish history, which is David. He's taken David and he has linked Jesus to him directly as one of David's descendants. And he's pointed to the fact that God kept his promise to providing Jesus. Verse 24, before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was contempl or as John was completing his work, he said, who do you think I am? I am not that one, talking about the Messiah. No, but he is coming after me, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And then he continues. He's laying the foundation. He's building up. Brothers, Paul said, children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. What Paul's doing here, stop for just a second at the end of 27, what he's doing here is he's saying, look, you guys read from the prophets every single week, but you missed it. They missed it in Jerusalem. Instead of recognizing Jesus for who he was and is, they rejected him. But did you catch what he said? Verse 26, brothers, children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. Do you get the idea that Paul is presenting here? Do you get the fact that he's treating this as a grand reception that of all the ones that rejected him, in light of all the ones that came before us, we're receiving this message right now. Oh, it's a tale of honor. It's a tale of, of gratitude where Paul recognizes what God has done and he's saying to them, don't you see it too? In Jerusalem, they missed it. They read the prophets every week like you do, but they totally missed all the prophecies about Jesus. 
Verse 28, though they found no proper ground for death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had, excuse me, when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. Y'all, before I mention that sometimes we can miss God's plan, sometimes we get stuck in the pattern of life and we just go and we just go and a, a month has passed, a year has passed. Sometimes when we look at the landscape of Christianity in America, it's so easy to become discouraged. But did you hear what Paul just said? Yeah, I know it applies to those in Pisidia and Antioch. He's preaching that there. But y'all, what he's just preached is the message of all those who are trusting in Jesus Christ to this day. That we're the keepers of the story. That we're the ones that are to herald, to tell the message of the good news of Jesus. That even though he was rejected, even though he was killed, even though they did everything that was written They fulfilled every prophecy in what they did to him, which by the way, again, the ones that they missed, they did it, but the grave couldn't hold him. Y'all, you ever wonder why we call it the gospel, the good news? This is why. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how people try, try to equivocate things, how they try to compare things, how they say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, different religions, all different religions, different parts of the world. There's really only one God, or there's not really a God at all, but there's some eternal force out there. And, and they try to put Christianity on the same level as everything else. But y'all, it's just not the case. While every world religion around you is either heralded by a prophet who is now long since dead, and their writings remain, Christianity, our founder, is not some dead prophet that sat under a tree or in a cave or receive some golden tablets from a supposed ain't. No, 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 no. The one who started our religion is alive. He's the only one. He still lives. He still remains. And the good news of it is that even though he was killed, the grave couldn't hold him. And it's the same way for all those who trust in him. They missed it. They missed it. But you and me, not only are we supposed to see it, we're supposed to proclaim it. Because y'all, in our mixed up, messed up world, in our busyness, right? And in this state of life where we just keep going and we lose track. When we lose track, we lose the story. And when we lose the story, we lose the testimony. When we lose the testimony, we lose the good news. No, I don't mean you lose your salvation. I just mean that we miss out. Y'all, if you really believe the good news of Jesus, you just got to share it. If you really believe in the power of the gospel and you're serious about it, then you just got to proclaim it. 
You got to recognize that what the world needs is the gospel. And if you don't know him, well, then you've got to realize that you need to know him, that you need to trust in him. And when you do, there's an application for that. There's, there's a meaning behind that. Again, we, we leave the failures of this world. We leave the lost causes. We leave the ever-shifting proposals of this world to make things better, but never do. And instead, we become the ones that tell the good news. Again, verse 32, we tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it's written in the second Psalm, you are my son. Today I have become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead, never to decay, is stated in these words. I will give you the whole, or I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. You see what he's doing here is he's linking all those promises made to David. What promise? The promise that he would always have a descendant on the throne. That promise. He's linking the fact that the grave couldn't hold Jesus to that promise that he gave David. Verse 35, so it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your Holy One see decay. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. What he's doing here, don't, don't lose track of this. Don't, don't let it be so complicated that you miss it. He's saying to these Jews, hey, look, David, the guy that you revere the most, the one who built the kingdom of Israel, which by the way, I know that all you guys want again, that David, that David was promised eternality. But the realization of that promise, that promise that you'll always have a descendant on the throne, it's not about some throne room in Jerusalem. It's not about some, some, some vague ruler somewhere. No, it's about Jesus being seated at the right hand of God. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What he's saying to them is, y'all read every single week the law and the prophets. You come in here to this synagogue, you read these portions of the Old Testament, but you never got it. All of it points to Jesus. You want to know how God is not a law, not a liar for making all of these promises? It's because Jesus reigns. It's because Jesus is alive. And the ultimate application is this. Verse 38. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And my friends, though we are here today, October the 4th, 2023, the promise is still for all those who would believe. This is the good news that our God's love has no expiration. This is the good news, that the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is effectual and knows no bounds. This is the good news, that if you will turn to him and trust in him, you will be saved. And this is Paul's great speech, Paul's great sermon. Paul's great treatise, Paul's great whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter. Peter, we've heard from before, it's remarkably similar 
But what Paul is doing is much more in depth. It's much more theological. And the line that he is exposing, the story that he is telling, it's our story. It's your story if you're trusting in Jesus. And if not, it can be. Now, how would they respond? What would they do? We'll see that tomorrow. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time and we pray that you would make your story, our story, real in our hearts, that we would be filled with gratitude at the work of Jesus Christ and that, Father, we would be affected by it, so much so that it wouldn't be something that we just ascribe to, but that the gospel would be who we are and the end result is that it would go out. Thank you for your grand redemptive plan Thank you for letting me be part of it and all those who desire. Thank you for continuing to work. And I pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning. This should be posted at six o'clock in the morning. But again, thank you all so much for being here. Um, I pray that you have a fantastic, fantastic day today. And again, I will invite you to Old Providence on Wednesday night. We're going through the book of Hebrews, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. A little bit different than this, a little bit more in depth, more teaching, um, a little bit less devotional, but it's a good time to be had by all. 6.30, or no, excuse me, 6.45 tonight. Until then, take care.